The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful, sexy, steamy Studio City, California, this is the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack, and this is another edition of the interview, the classic Knapsack Files interviews, what launched this feed to begin with. Thank you for supporting and listening to the Knapsack Files podcast feed. Guys, I have a a wonderful guest, and I'm going to start off big. I'm going to not bury the lead. When I first met this man over at the five media and screen junkies we were bringing him on board to do some work with us and one of my good friends jack conway wrote me and said you're hiring this guy smart move he's a genius yeah here is the genius lon harris oh so kind very kind <laughs> what a liar jack conway is you sir are uh i don't even know how to pin you down you're definitely a um a writer Above, sure. above all other things. I try. You've turned into a little bit of a personality because of your exposure on so many Screen Junkies and Screen yeah, Junkies at this Plus shows. Point, at this point, I popped up on a few, yeah. more than a few. You're, you're controversial. <laughs> today, today <laughs> especially, yes. Uh, and you're overall uh, just a, a great dude oh, at a uh, good uh, break room conversationalist. <laughs> I'm an excellent break room conversationalist, yeah. yeah. That's my personal brand. So what technically do you do at Screen Junkies now? Uh, you do a lot of other things, which we're going to get into, but that's where I know you most. Yeah. And, and what is it? You're, you're writer, researcher, producer, I mean, they, everything. We, we say writer, researcher. I have sort of taken on more producing kind of duties on a few of the shows, like yeah. uh, definitely now. Uh, movie games and what's in the box, which is yeah. movie games is our trivia game show. What's in the box is Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes open toys. Right. Uh, I'm sort of producing those at this point, I would say, on some level. It, and here's the strength of Lon, if you're listening and you're trying to get to know him better. If 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 Andy Signore would say, hey, you know, we need a title for a show, uh, I'd come up with maybe one or two. Uh, Joe, Joe Starr would come up with three or four or five. Spencer would throw some great ones in there. And then Lon Harris would come up with 50 possible titles. <laughs> uh, you yeah. have a preternatural ability to... Just come up with things. I think it's the, when did it begin? It's a lack of uh, it's a lack of having any kind of filter. Like I was always the guy, even like in high school, right? Even a little before that, where I just was constantly trying to throw out jokes and be funny. Yeah. And a lot of the time, that's people. You're not funny. You like you know you. Yeah. I'd be the guy who like tries to do a voice and does it really bad, <laughs> and everybody like makes fun of him because like how could you think that you could do Yoda? You totally can. <laughs> you totally cannot. But I just don't. I, I just never cared. I just never had. That that mm-hmm. weird gene of or whatever I I lack that gene the, like, the 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 filter gene yeah well just so like I everybody's gonna laugh at me and it'll be embarrassing for a second and then everybody will just remember that something funny <laughs> happened funny, you yeah. know like and and. Uh, yeah, that's always been like I like I did stand up for a little while. I was going to ask you if you ever done stand up. Yeah, for like six months. Uh, I used to. That's plenty. I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go. Yeah. I'll do the story. I was uh, I used to go to lunch at Barney's Beanery because I had a job yeah. right up the street, and there was a waitress there that we used to get all the time. And she was really cute. And I liked her. Okay. And she did stand up comedy, hmm. and she did the thing that sometimes people do if you say a lot of dumb jokes, which is like, hey, "Have you ever done comedy?" Yeah. So I sort of went. Just to go hang out with her for a while <laughs> did not. She never developed any interest in me. Sure, but I did enjoy doing comedy for a little while, so I tried it for a few months. But yeah, I never. I just lacked the, like the, the the discipline. The discipline to prepare sets or do it every night, or no, the what? writing jokes as you can imagine. Yeah. I would have binders, you know, sure. whatever notebooks full. Uh, it was just one. Yeah, showing up every night yeah. to, to to get on stage, waiting around for two three hours if it means you're going to get your five or seven minutes mm-hmm. on stage, and like the people I know and the people. People I were even I was even seeing men who got really good, who yeah. got like good the way I would want to be good. Yeah, were just killing it. Like every like would go to three open mics a night, right. six seven nights a week. Would just always every time you talk to them, they're like, "Well, I can't tonight because I'm going to going out, going hit a set." You know, right? I got to go to La Siena again. Then I'm going to this place. I got to the lesbian bar. <laughs> at Eleven has a half hour. Like literally, um, I, got, I got an open mic. It was at called the, Oasis. Oasis. And the lesbian bar used to do open mics. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I just was not. I knew I wasn't yeah. that guy, and uh, and I was just like, I don't want to like half-ass it. So I sort of, I sort of gave that, up. That but, was the point I hit with stand-up too. Is I just knew I, I looked ahead like if this gets to successful where I would quote want to be, what is what is that life? Right, and that wasn't the life. Right, I, I, I mean certainly if you're talking about, and I have like great respect. I don't mean to like knock this. No, 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 no. Like no. I love a lot of comedians, and I think they're amazing, and I right. respect what they do. But I, yeah, I, I couldn't if it was like tomorrow. I got to go to like Montana and then Idaho. <laughs> 
on. I'm going to go to Ohio, and I don't know how long I'll yeah. be in Indiana. Like, I just, that's not me. I was yeah. never going to be in Your homebody? Are you, are you? Yeah. And, and, and uh, but I, but I always, uh, but I never minded getting on stage. It was never, that was right. never the thing. And I would talk to other people, like, oh, so nervous to go up. Yeah. The very first time I ever got up in front of a room full yeah. of people and did comedy, I, I was not nervous and, at all. And this is just this weird filter, filterless life you've been living I, yeah. since child. Now, you're a California right. boy, right? Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, but only until really? I was 10. Yeah, we lived in Philly. Oh, until I didn't I was, know you had an East Coast. Yeah, 10. And then my parents were just like, Sick of the snow, and yeah. my my mom's brother lived in Los Angeles, hmm. and they were just like, "Let's move to uh, L.A." And my dad found a job, and we moved to Orange County. So that oh oh see yeah oh yeah I grew yeah. up in uh, Irvine. Oh wow, yeah. Um, that so that's that's interesting though. So you have you have you have ten years is enough time to spend on a coast to soak in. Oh sure, that atmosphere and attitude. Yeah, no, I mean a lot of my sort of uh, perspective. Yeah. It's already formed by the time you're ten, and yeah. yeah, it was all growing up. Yeah, Philadelphia. What kind of uh, what kind of kid were you? Were you the wise ass kid, or were you the quiet kid learning the jokes? I mean, oh, you talk yeah. about this filterless life. Uh, no, it was really high school was when I got like loud. Like, oh, if I get <laughs> if I'm just loud and I just like yell things and try to yeah. be funny, people will pay attention to me. I'll get I'll get positive reinforcement. Yeah, but yeah, no. Before that, I was I was real small when I was a kid. Like I was tiny. Okay. And scrawny and uh, a very always really like uncoordinated. Like right. I, I'm always really like unathletic. Yeah. But mostly because you know when you're a kid, it's not like you're out of shape. Yeah. I was yeah. just like bad at <laughs> bad that at stuff. Bad at like things. I was bad at shooting baskets. Yeah. Bad at, at, at swinging a baseball bat. Yeah. And I was like bad at kickball. Did, um, did you want any of those things? Were you, oh my were you, god! You, desperately because one, my my dad was mm-hmm. a big sports guy okay. and a sports fan and like to play catch with us and like yeah. really wanted to foster that, and I just didn't. I wasn't into it. And you have a brother, right? I have a younger brother. Right, right. He got into, like, watching sports, so they'll, like, watch Flyers games. Because I know you're not a big sports guy. No, well, because I I think this is why. Like, I think Mm. it was because I was so uncoordinated. I just lacked that ability to do it. That it just was, I just got associated in my head with being discouraging. Like I was just, I would like I would I was good at like I could read a book and impress an adult by talking (laughs) about it, and I like would love movies and people be like, oh my god, this kid knows so much about movies. That was where I got all my positive reinforcement from. Whereas baseball was like, oh, this ordeal I had to go through. (laughs) That's a great perspective. I I ended up having both, um, but the sports thing kicked in later, so I thought that was it. And then I had that moment where I couldn't swing a baseball. Bad as uh, good as the other kids. I mean, I, those are the memories of childhood yeah. burned in my brain of like very <laughs> kind, patient adults just trying to walk me through it. Like, all right, no, well, we got to work on your stance. You're, you got a slouching, and I just I can't. Yeah, well, uh, I just I really do. I've I've had that feeling a lot of like. That mm-hmm. I'm like – it's like the alien controlling your body. Like other people – like I watch athletes or something and they're right. so graceful. Yes. And it's like – it is like I'm a different species from those people. It is. Like, like when I watch pro wrestlers do some stuff what they do now, the flippity-flop stuff going yeah. high in the air, the body control, uh, I just – you know, and I, I'm not horrible at it. And I'll hit the gym and I can throw a ball, but but there, you can just tell I don't have those genetics. Yeah, and it's just like the reflexes and the gracefulness. I was watching yeah. – it's a weird example. Example, I'm taking it to a weird place. I was <laughs> recently it. watching the ESPN OJ Simpson documentary. Yes. And the first like hour is mostly just him as a running back. Like, yeah. It's before he's murdering people. <laughs> uh, and he is just watching him like I never, you know, I, what yeah. do I know? I, yeah. I knew OJ Simpson from Naked Gun movies. Sure. Um, but watching him like just, just like he could do that like sideways yep. jump through. It's just, like how, like I my, I could never, even if, I, if you gave me 45 minutes <laughs> to just plan <laughs> to it out think, once and time it perfectly. It I couldn't do it. Couldn't. And he's doing it in an instant. <laughs> so then by that regard, uh, with, with the sports on the side, at what point at what point you're talking about adults and you love movies and your opinions at what yeah. point did that start to click in is that's a path so, and a direction? So early with movies. Like really mm. soup like before I remember it consciously happening. Like right. my parents told me the, the first time they took me to see a movie was like that animated Disney Robin Hood, you know, with the, yes. with the, the the fox that now has become sort of sexy. A weird sex symbol. Yes. <laughs> Uh, that was like the first movie they I saw theatrically, and they were like, yeah. "You were just ingrown." Like I stood up on the chair, like I couldn't believe it. Even back yeah. then, like I was like three or four years old. So that's all. Like I just remember growing up, and I was wow. always a kid. Like a lot of kids love movies, sure, but I was, and it was different too because there was like no internet or like yeah. like movies were like a thing you did on the weekend. But it was like movies and bowling and roller skating, and there wasn't really like it wasn't different. It was yeah. just like weekend stuff. Yeah. 
But I was the only one where I was like, I want to watch movies all the time. Like, it's all I want to talk about and think about. And it's what I was into. And there's the toys I was into. And uh, across the board, you liked everything. Did you did you hone in on specific genres? Because you're so well rounded now. Yeah. But comedy, when I was a kid, especially, it was Mm -hmm. just kind of like funny movies. And my brother, too, is four years behind me. So by the time I was like eight or nine and he was like four or five and we could both start to watch things together. Yeah. That was when it really got immersive where we just watch we would just watch comedies constantly and quote them to each other and yeah. like memorize them the classic 80s ones or just yeah well i mean uh, definitely yeah. three amigos was a huge oh. huge movie for us as kids everything yeah. mel brooks okay. uh like Spaceballs was definitely one that was like yeah. big princess bride i know we love ghostbusters okay. i love ghostbusters yeah uh yeah goonies uh gremlins like a lot of those 80s oh, man, we grew up in a good era yeah, I mean, right, and it was, yeah. and and it was this time in sort of film comedy, because also like National Lampoon a little bit, like sure. where movie comedy all of a sudden was taking this like weird, everything was getting like weird and dark and creepy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like right, right there in that group, like Beetlejuice, like right, right there in that groove. Right, right. Um, so that was my stuff growing up. That was that's so you're hitting into that stuff, and then uh, at what point does this become? A career choice. At what point did you ever consider anything else? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I, I was like, I always wanted to do movies and be a writer, like, from the time I was a little okay. kid. But uh, it was, you know, also, I, I was in Philadelphia. So yeah. I, in your, Born and in, raised. In, in Los Angeles, <laughs> it's sort of a lot of people around work in movies, and you're sort of aware. Se- seeps in, yeah. But, I, you know, I had Jewish parents in Philadelphia, and it was like, you will be a lawyer. I mean, it's great <laughs> that you love movies. That's cute, kid. When but... you have your law practice, maybe you can represent a director. Like, that would literally be, like, the kinds of things they would say. Because it would just not occur to them that, yeah. like, you know, that's a fulfilling... I, yeah, think it's you, a... I think even to this day, they're like, we were right. You probably should have gone. <laughs> like, if you ask them even now, they'd be like, eh. They see your car. I mean, it's kind of like, working, but not, not, let's be honest. It's not really working. Law school would have been. Um, so, so did you consider those things at any point, or were you zeroed in early it, on? No, it was real. I mean, even in high school, uh, you know, I still didn't think I was going to, like, make movies. Like, I thought I would be, like, I'll... You know, maybe I'll find a way to, like, write right. in whatever job I have. But I thought, like, journalist. Like, I really thought journalist for a long time. Like, yeah. all, all my teenage years, I thought okay. I would grow up and I would work for a newspaper. And I, maybe I would be, like, a movie reviewer or something. Or maybe sure. I would just be a news writer news or whatever. Writer, yeah. And I always liked politics and news and followed that stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, all through, even into college, I sort of thought journalism. And then, yeah, it was, like, the late 90s when I was in college. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was like, oh, there is no journalism's over. Oh, there is no more. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm screwed. And that was really, yeah, like when I first got out of college and I was trying to get jobs at newspapers, they were like, no, okay, you know what I'm we just fired everybody. <laughs> like literally you're walking in as people with their, their desks in their boxes are walking out. It was the exact, the timing was <laughs> So you had, you had no choice to kind of move into the comedy right Yeah, no. Well, oh, but even not back then, no. Yeah, no? later, no. Yeah. Uh, what would you, would you meander around doing I then? graduated college in 2000. Okay. I graduated UCLA uh, and I had... I, I thought I was going to get a job for a newspaper, and I didn't. I ended up working at Barnes & Noble for a year. I lived, so close. I moved home. I worked at Barnes & Noble on the info desk. You know, like, oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Dante's Inferno. It's back here. Let me take you there. Uh, and I did that for a year, and, and I lost my mind living yeah. in Irvine with my parents. Yeah. I moved back here, and I did post-production for a while. Oh, I, um, okay. I did subtitles for DVDs for eight... I, I worked for a private company, but I was on the HBO Time Warner account. So every HBO, if you had an HBO show on DVD, yeah. like if you had a Sopranos DVD or Sex in the City, any of those big shows from that yeah. era, I was the one who typed out the captions and subtitles on it and made sure like the timing was right and did like the QC process on that. Wow. That's mind numbing. Uh, you know what? It wasn't like sometimes like kids shows were bad. Like sure. when it was like, you know, three seasons of HBO's like Raggedy Ann dolls and they're like stop motion. Like, where is the pen? You found it. Like that was horrible. <laughs> and I would like smoke a bowl in my car and go back. Um, to get but to no, like sometimes it was really interesting. Like yeah. Sopranos is a, Sopranos sure. was the most fun. When we sure. get a season of Sopranos and it was like, oh, the next like two weeks at work, three weeks at work, I'm just watching Sopranos all day. But uh, it was it was a weird job, too, because. You know, we were working off of mm-hmm. we had a we had software that we could scan in the shooting script and right. then it would like start the work for us. Like okay. you use a wave file to like, okay, Tony's gonna start talking here, so that's Tony, and then we'll yeah. put that. But then I would have to go fix it and make it work and make it accurate. What I realized then, which is sort of trivia now, is James Gandolfini would make a lot of that shit up. Oh really? Uh not like is- important plot conversation, but like right. when he's like, come! 
Like, all that is just Gandolfini's riffing. Like, he never would follow the script. Uh, anything of them with meats or anything of them, like, hanging out, busting each other's balls or something. Like Gandolfini would just riff. And yeah. he, he was so good with that New Jersey accent, he could just yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah, um, he was but such I, the character. Right. But then I had to figure out, like, what the hell? What is <laughs> what who's the jewel? What? That does, that's not a word. So here you are. You're, you're not a journalist. You're not a lawyer like your parents want. When you're translating Gandolfini. I'm trying to figure out what the hell James Gandolfini has just said. And it, now you can go on the internet and look it up and like have that stuff he really was making up like he wow. was faking it and they would be like this is what a jersey take on a sicilian word would sound like and he's like literally he's they just were just going with it. but you're unlocking the code so there was no answers i'm like sitting there with headphones trying to like lives of others it i'm like uh i'm like travolta and blowout like what <laughs> and, uh, and so you're here you slave away and then you, here you come to hollywood for your dreams like we all yeah. do and then you're doing this i was doing that for, I did that for three years and then the company got bought by deluxe and they were going to move to burbank oh, yeah yeah and i lived in culver city and i Oh, that's like, like another world. I was just like, I'm not moving from Culver City. I'm yeah. like, I'm not driving from Culver City to Burbank every day. I don't care about this job or like it. Uh, so I quit, and then I didn't do anything for a long time. That's when I ended up at the video stores. So all the time, I was like, That's right. You worked at it. You were you were that cliche. You're the I video was. store guy. And like at the tail, and when it was like video stores were dying <laughs> you, out, and it you was try a to get in journalism time. as the building was yeah, burning down. My timing just is horrible. <laughs> get a job at uh, movies to go. Well, if, but it's interesting. Thing because the the then the third act of this sort of yes. story is yeah. that I was really early. Like the only reason I'm sitting mm-hmm. here with you now is because yeah. I happened to get into video and digital media way way before most people realized it was going to be a thing. Yeah, well that's what I always talk about. It's like the, you know the job I have now and the job I had to screen check didn't exist five years ago, so no. I didn't know I wanted it. But there were people like you, and I mentioned my good friend Jack Conway, mm-hmm. who this that guy was so early into that. And yeah, for me it was pure luck. It it was yeah. not like I had some like early like ooh I, like ooh. I, it's not me being insightful because <laughs> obviously so you can tell from these other examples that is not, <laughs> that is not my it. thing uh, at all that is not it I know so, I'm what bad did you get at, what like, was the first thing to break through I was I was working at a video store yeah uh, this is this is late 2006 uh, mm, and. Okay. There, I see a Craigslist ad for this new website that's starting up, and they need researchers. So you just okay. need people like, and I, you know, that's it's really light on detail. So I go, and it's the interview is at this guy's house in yeah. Brentwood. I go, yeah. like, you got to go around the pool or whatever. And we're in this weird, like, by this pool house, and he's pitching me on this idea. And at the time, the idea doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's still, yeah. it still, it, it did not end up working. Right. The idea was like at that time you would search things on Google. Yeah. And it, Google resorts were not so great. The example would be yeah. like, let's say. You looked up Paris hotels. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't get like the ten best hotels in Paris that you want to stay at. You would get like maybe one or two right. listicles, and you would get ads, and you would get a lot of stuff. Cheesy right. SEO. Google's fixed a lot of this. It's been eleven years. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. back then, those Google results were not so great. So this guy's idea was we're going to hire a writer to real yeah. quick spend an hour make a page of just the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we'll post that post instead. That. Uh, and so he just needed writers to do that. So it wasn't quite a search engine. It was a it was search sort of assistant? a search play, but right, yeah, it was yeah. like a search. It was like a like a curated search, is what gotcha, we called it. Gotcha. Um, and so he just wow. needed those people, and you would write a little like capsule, like here's what a Paris hotel is, or here's who Bob Dylan is, or whatever. <laughs> uh, I was one of the first pages I did was Bob Dylan. Um, That's awesome. You just to, that, I mean, you well, but there was a big flaw in it, which yeah. is most of it the things work. that people said. Well, yeah. that was the biggest flaw. It didn't work. <laughs> well, I think the reason it didn't work mm-hmm. was because most of the things people search every day that are actually valuable that you yeah. want to people to come search are time-based. It's right, not right. like I could make a page and then six months later you could look it up and it's still useful. Like Bob Dylan is and Paris Hotels sure. is, but like most people are looking up like what's in the news today? You yeah. know, like Neil Gorsuch wasn't <laughs> new. Like <laughs> you can't prepare for that. It's yeah, just yeah. like here's a random guy who's super famous now and that's what everybody wants to know about. So that's why I did Yeah, work. yeah. But that company was around long enough to do a lot of weird, crazy things. It was called Mahalo. Oh, uh, my gosh. I remember Mahalo. Yep. The guy who started it was Jason Calacanis. It was his oh, house. Wow. Uh, and uh, he just kept – he got a lot of investment in it, and he had yeah. a lot of ideas. And we ended up doing so many different things that I started doing video through that company. Through it. Well, and the, yeah. the, the really interesting footnote, the, the me feeling like I was – 
witness to history part of yes. this whole story didn't come till years later. We had started making a lot of YouTube videos and having some success with it. I did a show called This Week in YouTube hmm. where it was just like weekend update but for YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. We would do one episode a week and count down like four videos because that was that was, that was it. Like yeah, that was all the, you could find. <laughs> the best of YouTube for that whole week would be yeah. four videos. Right. Uh, everything else was just like well, people ca- staring out windows <laughs> or like filming their gerbil. Or, like, it was just garbage. <laughs> Um, but we had a random guy who worked there. His name was Mark Burnham. I'll shout him out. Uh, uh-huh. And he came up with the idea, like, what if, like, Halo 3 was mm-hmm. just coming out? And he was like, what if we recorded, screen captured me playing Halo 3? Oh, and wow. I'll show you where to find all these skulls. There's, like, these hidden skulls in the game. Right. And, like, I'll track down where every hidden skull is. We'll screen capture it. We'll put the tutorial on YouTube. Wow. And we were like, that's a pretty yeah, good idea. That's useful. That's a helpful <laughs> idea. So we started a whole the team. The internet will, no one will go for that. That? Well, so we built out a whole team to make just those videos. But it was after that team came on board and they started working together. Yeah. They just got – I don't claim – I'm not claiming – for the record, I'm not claiming credit for this. Yeah. I was working on other stuff. Mm-hmm. They were back there and they sort of discovered organically that mm. people were just as interested in hearing what the team was doing. Okay. And they're trying to get – figure out where the skulls were, as they were in, like, tell me where to find the skulls. And that team that was the Mahalo video game Mm -hmm. team, almost all of them now work on video Mm. game content online. Like, a lot of them are at Defy. Like, a lot of the Smosh Games crew was the Mahalo video games crew. That's, uh, yeah, you're right. That is a ground uh, And it was really, like, and, I mean, we were discovering it day to day. We would see these videos, like, wait, us... That doesn't make any sense. The guys trying, the video we put up of them trying to figure out how to get through this part of Assassin's Creed got like 18 times more views than like how to get through it. It, it, What do you think that is? Because that's at the beginning. Yeah. And we still struggle with it now at companies of what gets views and what's there. I always contend it's it's personalities and a journey versus yeah. information. Well, there, yes, I and think you're that, describing that a little bit to me. I think it personalities is the yeah. key insight. Yeah. I mean, to me, and and I'll I'll take to take one step back. I mm. think a lot of what we in the content creation side of the internet forget right. yeah. is that the difference between the internet and like TV or radio or other broadcast media mm. is that the internet is a back and forth. It's a conversation. Yes. And I, I almost, it's like an, I, I think of it as like an attention economy. Like yeah. I'm paying you, like the people listening to this right now are paying us in mm. terms of their attention. They're, that's yeah. their, that's their currency. They're paying attention to what we're saying and they're listening to us and they're downloading it. They're giving you numbers. Whatever. Right. Uh, but they want a little something in return. They want yeah. your attention. They want acknowledgement from the people who create the content that they're listening to because it's an exchange. That's it's a, not one way. That's you know? a, it's an enti- entirely intelligent next level way to look at it starting from the beginning to now. And that's why through Twitter and social media, yeah, the interactions are are important. Everything. And, and I think so often Hollywood comes in and they're like, these YouTubers have this huge audience. What can we do? Put them in a movie. Put them in a right. TV show. And like, well, great. I'm happy for those people. And like, that's right. awesome. And a lot of YouTubers are super, super talented and belong in movies. Right. But uh, they, I think they always forget that part, which is why a lot of those projects don't work because their fans don't necessarily just want right. to see them be funny. They want to be engaged with them. They want to be doing something with them. They want to feel like a part of it. I mean, that's like when I look at, uh, you know, Grace Helbig goes from one of the biggest YouTubers has a show that's like the least watched. Yeah, know, I mean, I think there network. were there were some, I had some uh, issues with the show, but the, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. her, her, her yeah. bit makes perfect sense when you're watching her YouTube channel. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense when she's on TV. You're just removing Removing that, uh, you're, you're adding intimacy, a, and it, you're, you're removing the intimacy, and add, adding a layer between them and the audience. Right. Well, and, and Grace can turn on her camera and go like, "Oh my God, I'm not ready," and like, "Ugh, what am I doing?" And like, "Look right. at this," and like, it's self-effacing. But it's like because she's just in yeah. her house turning on her camera, and it's right. intimate, it's personal, and that's what people like about her. Yeah. And she's, I mean, she's very funny. Yeah, yeah, um, she is. But then you give her a TV show, and like, well, we know that. This isn't last minute. We yeah. know that you're on a set and that there's a camera crew and that it's a whole production. And so then we expect yeah. high professionalism, you know? Like, yeah, that's yeah. the difference. You can't you can't do YouTube on TV and you can't do TV on YouTube, YouTube. and we keep trying to do it and it doesn't work. Yeah, there's, it's so funny because TV, you know, TV and the, the, the bigger classic broadcasts, 
things they want, what digital's building. Mm-hmm. They understand it's something. They understand it's a future. And then we over in digital, where you and I reside, both, we want their money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like how every rock star wants to be a comedian and yeah. every comedian wants to be a rock star. Like yeah. They just can't access what the other people are doing. I yeah. do think that's a big uh, – yeah. my favorite example of this ever mm-hmm. – uh, I was I, I I wrote a couple shows. I worked on a few shows for Machinima, which is how I got to know Jack. Jack, Hunt. yeah. Uh, and one of the shows they were working on that I was not working on, I just mm-hmm. was aware of because it was being made at the same time. It was called Player versus Pain, and it was like mm-hmm. a Spike TV. Imagine a Spike TV show. Right. And the idea was we're going to have a bunch of gamers, and they're going to all be competing against each other, but we're going to do something uncomfortable and ratchet it up as they play. As they play. So like we're playing Mario Kart, but they're also wearing this thing that's going to like tug on their junk, and it's going to like tug <laughs> a little bit harder on their junk every like five minutes. Tugging on the junk is a good thing. <laughs> Listen, it's great. That's just pure entertainment. But the way Machinima did it was yeah. very high-level, high-production mm-hmm. value. They got a soundstage. They set it up like it was a real Spike TV yes. show, like American Gladiator, American Ninja Warrior. Like, that's what it looked yeah. like. And the audience just flat rejected it. Rejected. You would go to the comments, and it wasn't that the things that were happening weren't funny. People being hurt is just <laughs> funny. Like, Endlessly funny. We all funny. think that's funny. Uh, it was that, like, too slick, too professional. What is this? This looks like yeah. Spike TV. This looks like MTV. Where's Machinima? They wanted the Machinima personalities. They wanted yeah. the Machinima that they knew not this TV channel that was trying to intrude on what Machinima was. Yeah, like with digital, it's like, it's like people get behind, like, like I said, again, the personality. So we're over at Collider. They're invested in what we do, and sometimes the information we put out, if it is too packaged, too nice, it yeah. seems like people, they don't want it. They'd rather have John Campy in his office with his glasses on because, talking into a Because a, they a know him. Mic. Yeah. They know him, and they feel like he is in a... Mm-hmm. A relationship with them. It's weird to say it that way. And I don't mean mm-hmm. like a romantic relationship. No, but like, yeah. They're they're in, they're a community. They're part of a community together. I mean, certainly at Screen Junkies, yeah. you see this. Yeah. Like the fans who know me from Twitter or because they've seen me on some of the other shows. Right. When I'm on movie fights, they're in my corner because yeah. I'm. They know me. What's your team talked. name? Do you have a team? I don't have a. I don't, I'm, we were debating it the other day. <laughs> I I favored Lonatics. I think Lonatics <laughs> is a good one. Uh, Parker came up with the Lon Rangers, which I think is good. Okay, I can. I, can I like that. the Lon Rangers because it sort of has a baked in theme song. Like yes. you can hear it when yes. the Lon Rangers come on. Yeah. Uh, Jack Shipley was trying for the Lon Burjacks, but I don't. <laughs> oh, Jack sort of The pun is like eighty percent there, but not hundred yeah. percent. It doesn't yeah. totally click. So they get behind. But yeah, you're right. They get behind you because and then, they know you, and and yeah. and it's not. It's it's not fake. It's not like yeah. it's not like they're, you know, like that stalker thing where like, oh, I know Brad Pitt. I know like they, yeah. they actually do know me. It's, like, yeah, well, I talk on Twitter and like they they've seen me and they know who I am. It's like um, it's it's not like but it starts to me I, I, when I hear you talking to you, you're describing it so well long. But like, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Ryan Adams music. Right. And that guy that guy's made me cry with his music. If yeah. I ever meet him, it's going to be awkward because right. or case in point, one time I did meet uh, uh, E from Eels and I'm a big yeah. fan of Eels. And he's, Eels. He lives around Seattle. Sort of like and I, when I say meet him, I, I stood next to him. He's friends of a friend, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Do you want to shake hands with him?" I was like, "I can't. I've cried to this man's music. I can't. I can't <laughs> yeah. do that. It's too. It's, it's too awkward. Too intimate. I, yeah. I feel as though I know him and he knows me, and that's not true. But in digital, so you take that same feeling of 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 music, and we connect to music. Mm-hmm. And movies is different though. It's this big thing. I'm I'm hitting my mic all day today. <laughs> Must, you're right. Too early for whiskey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we're so connected, and and um, that's what drives digital. Is yeah. is Listeners of me, the Knapsack Files, they are my friends. They're listening to you all the time. Yeah. Like, this is an intimate way to get to know somebody. And, and I mean, yeah. I think you, you see it like uh, I, I, I compare it to I get way more excited now to meet or encounter in public people who are memes than celebrities. <laughs> I think a lot of it is like you just live in L.A. You see enough celebrities that kind of wears yeah, off yeah. on you. But like I love Mad Men and I, mm. I met John Hamm or I encountered John Hamm once. Right. And I met him and it was like, oh my God, that's John Hamm. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. But it didn't it didn't feel like when I was at a South by Southwest party and I met Scumbag Steve. Like I hugged <laughs> Scumbag Steve. I had a couple drinks. Sure. But like that was really like exciting. It feels like he's like an odd, like yeah. I sort of feel like I know him and it 
very weird way, even though I totally don't. It's just a picture of him. Yeah. But it's more, it, it's intimate because it's online. It's in my house in that way than like Mad Men is. Mm-hmm. Which is like Mad Men, he was in a soundstage, he was dressing up. Like, I don't know, to me, there's something different about it. It, it, it is entirely, it is at its core why this is a different time when, when, when you know, unfortunately, you know, it sometimes it works badly where the, the social media is so, so, uh, uh, you know, makes everyone a star in their own head. And that's sometimes a bad thing. Yeah. Sometimes it takes them all the way to the White House. But, uh, you know, it, it's just a, it's a bad thing on some days, but on, on other level, it's so connected. That's why I will never talk overly bad about social media because no. I have I have relationships with family members I wouldn't have had. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I really do. Front. Yeah. That's true of me as well. And um, I owe that a lot. And so the same thing is is the, the fandoms and the support. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. There's still a dividing line if you're a fan or that. And But, but like, uh, you know, touring around with screen junkies and seeing them at conventions say, hey, we're going to do a show with Kevin Smith or Doug Doug mm-hmm. Benson and the crowd would and then now here's Dan Merle 500 people Go on nuts. their feet exactly and, and I mean that's I think, where the power lies right and and it, I think you know I think about we were talking about me as like a kid and sort of loving mm-hmm. movies and TV and like feeling kind of isolated and like I I see younger people today mm-hmm. who have this outlet like they have they can right. find the like two or three other kids at, at every school across America yeah. who also likes the thing that they like and connect with them and form this little community and that's why they love Dan because he's part of that group that they've created for themselves of like right. here's my island of like-minded people who get the things that I'm in yeah. and uh you know like sometimes it takes weird turns like I think a lot of this like alt right Trump yeah. stuff is like a weird turn like that was another community of lonely isolated sure. people who got together and yeah. they made sense to each other and like I I totally get that I just think like at some point it, 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 got, it, it, it twist, got twisted it twists in this weird way well uh, because because if you go in their feeds just like if you go in another person's feed you, you're surrounded by you know right, I'm, not using, I'm not using the bubble but it's the bubble term but it's like yeah so you're gonna feed off each other sure, and then yeah. if, if and you I mean, go off the tracks you might not know it and I mean that that is true there's you know there's group thinking and, and Conventional wisdom mm-hmm. in sort of every community, sure. and I mean it in in the movie community. Like I, yeah, I'm being you know yelled at on the movie fights comments today for uh, you know you had like, an unpopular opinion, right? And and I mean to me, and this also comes from be becoming a movie fan in relative isolation and yeah. not knowing a lot of other movie fans growing up. So I just formed my own opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, that that bugs me sometimes about the sort of the movie fandom in 2017 of like mm-hmm. there is kind of like a. CW of like here's here's the mm. conventional take on every movie and like that's correct and then it's like sealed away and if you violate it yeah and I'm not just talking about screen junkies I'm talking about no, just no. generally in, general, in the movie society, fan yeah, world yeah, yeah movie uh, fandom and I I think that's in, like that's more exciting when somebody's like really uh, yeah well I mean that's what it's about like that's what's fun about movies in a lot of ways is like mm-hmm. every, you get to make up your own mind and like well yeah that's the success of of all these media discussion shows and movie fights yeah. I mean that that's born out of what happens. Well, but yeah. I even said something like this on Twitter the other day, and somebody wrote back like, "Yeah, well, there's like no movies are objectively good or bad." I'm like, man, I think like individual facets of movies are objectively good. Or right. Bad. Like that. That is that shot is poorly composed. That shot is well composed. Yeah. But like, no. Like, I just don't. I don't <laughs> think movies are objectively good or bad. Like, I think like it's whatever. Yeah. If I can argue it, then it's good. Yeah. If you, you know? can find something in it. You like, can find yeah, in Neon it. Demon was the big argument. Like, I loved that movie. That was great. It was like, no, it's terrible. It's like, no, I did you wrong. Like, hey, man, one of, one of my favorite comedies of all time is still Dirty Work. And I love Dirty, Dirty Work. Dirty Work is... That's correct. That's, a correct. that's an objective <laughs> that's, truth. That's Dirty a, Work is very funny. Cannot be debated. That scene... It's just a good – like, this is where – like, a lot of the time I think it's too easy to just knee-jerk be like, well, that dumb comedy is stupid and bad. Right, like, right. That scene where they hide all of the, the fish. fish and then you just hear it play out in audio while they're standing there and it's all in Norman <laughs> Artie's faces. That's a really good scene. Like, that's a good – if that was in a, a much different comedy with a better pedigree, everybody would Everyone. be like, that's a great scene. It's just because it's in a stupid movie. Uh, an alleged stupid movie. Right. Sure. It's just – well, I mean, I think that movie's—it's stupid, it's stupid, but it's fun, stupid. Fun, stupid. Fun, I also stupid. love the part where uh, Norm is just like that. Ri- ridiculous. <laughs> I love, I love yeah. Norm McDonald's uh, cadence, his, uh, yeah. his, his delivery. Just, just, just ridiculous. <laughs> there was a time where I think I spoke like Norm. Got, got a good mind to go to the warden about this. <laughs> it's the, yeah. you're, you're making me laugh because it's taking me back to a lot of Norm stuff. Yeah, I love uh, his his classic bit about his, uh, you know, devil making his friend kill his family. <laughs> hey, yeah. it's me, Bob. Hey. Yeah. 
So good. Love it. We can talk about Norm. We could do we could do a whole podcast on a whole Norm podcast. I do want to talk about opinions and you you and I sure. are in this space where opinions and, and nerd culture and geek culture has become a business and it's become what sports were started in the eighties. Sure. You know, by seventy eight eight, seventy nine, eighty, whenever ESPN kicks into full gear and, and is goes from an experiment to a success and and it takes talking about sports from the barbershops and the and the bars to yeah. the T V well, launches sports that. Sports talk radio is what we do now. Yeah. For everything, but it was just for sports. How does that number? One, how does that feel now? Because again, I grew up a, a, a sports fan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm less of one now, but it's weird. I'm less. I, I am a giant sports fan, a Yankee fan, Dolphin fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't watch it as much. I don't listen to stuff as much. I don't watch Colin Cowherd like I used to, or Dan mm-hmm. Patrick like I used to, because at one point it was so much. I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna. Not listen. I'm just going to watch the game and enjoy the game for the game. I do have a fear that movies and pop cultures could go that way. Yeah, well, and at it, times it is. I, I mean, I do. Yeah, I have this thought a lot because I don't think movies were necessarily individual movies. Like mm-hmm. movies is a pastime. There's so many movies you could yeah. never, you you can't watch them all. You right. Could, you could fixate on it your whole life. But I do feel like. A two-hour movie or a series of movies weren't really designed to be round-the-clock obsessions. <laughs> and the fact that we're doing that to them now is, mm-hmm. like, odd. And, like, it doesn't necessarily serve the movies. Like, yeah. I would probably enjoy Civil War. I didn't really like Captain America Civil War. Sure. Sorry to lob another truth bomb. <laughs> uh, but I think I would probably like it a lot more if I could have, like, heard a little bit about it, knew basics going in, watched it, right. talked about it for an hour or two, and then not had to keep thinking about it. Yeah. And I don't mean that in, like, a really devastating, mean way, but no. I just mean, like, it's just not designed to sustain a year of conversation. It's kind yeah. of a... Kind of a fun throwaway popcorn yeah, look, thing. Look, I'm in the I'm in the Star Wars media world, you know, and and there are moments where I'm like, I just don't want to give my take on Last Jedi anymore because I don't right. and, I don't and, have one. And you know, like and and yeah, and like those movies are best served. I've been talking about this a lot uh, in a different, slightly different way mm-hmm. about La La Land lately. Oh, wait, let's do it uh, because I saw. I mean, I saw it. There was already hype. Yeah. I, I didn't see it that. Early, but I saw a little a few weeks before it like came out everywhere. Sure. Uh, JTE got me into a screen. Hey, no, yeah, was it? yeah, it was. Oh, that powerful JTE. He, he used his he used his connections of just <laughs> taking every movie invite that is sent out to anyone. Um, that almost made me spit out my water. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, but when I saw it, it was just like, oh, there's this. It's huge, great. It's guided whiplash. Yeah. Right, guys. Like it did not yet have the like 14 Oscars, the right. film of the decade. And I, I'm just not sure that movie's best served by those expectations. It's just right. so it's so light and so fun and so kind of. Is it light and fun though? Well, it, it does get dark at the end. But I mean, spoilers for La La Land. Time. Yeah. It's oh yeah. It's been on my mind. We'll get into I, it. It, it. I don't know. That's a pretty dark. It's a ve- well. I actually think ending. The, I actually me. think the the last act is a little bit dark. Darker than I think. I have a darker okay. take on it than most people. Because okay. my 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 view of it was you are in Emma Stone's perspective, mm-hmm. the entire finale epilogue part, except when he's playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And that vision that you see when he's playing the piano, that's that's her sharing in his fantasy of what might have been. Okay. So, like, she's got happy news. She achieved all of her dreams. Right. She's got a husband and a kid, and she's got this happy home life. And then they go see her ex, and he plays this really sad song about what might have been. And I think that it's, like, sad. And then she looks back at him, and he puts on this smile. Yeah. But I'm not reading it as, like, I'm also totally happy in my life. I'm reading that as, like, Seb's a good guy. Yeah. And he's, like... We had our moment, and I'm not begrudging you, and I'm going to smile at you to sort of end things on this graceful note. But he, you don't, he doesn't necessarily have everything he wants. He's got that club. It's a sad ending, but yeah, like you, because here's the thing. He could Damien Chazelle could have put in a moment where there's a woman sure. waiting right. off stage for so she could have shown some indication that he also has a happy life at home yeah. and he doesn't. And yeah. I think the decision not to is like maybe he doesn't. Like maybe maybe he all he sacrificed and didn't get yeah. Everything he wanted in the end, you, the way you, she did. You are, you and I are on the same page, and it connects with me, and you can bring up all the, the romantic history and failures I have. <laughs> sure. But I connect. I, I, I got to say, I did not enjoy 98% of the movie. I recognized as I watched it, this is a good movie. I recognized yeah. everyone's done a great job. I didn't connect it to as much. It was good. But, uh, I, but all of a sudden at the end, I was like, oh, wait a minute. 
Yeah. Wait a minute. This is not what was advertised to me uh, in in the habit. This was not Scott Mance didn't yell at me this sad ending. Scott Mance yelled right. about how beautiful this movie was. Well, I think it is beautiful. And it, it is beautiful. It does have a. It does definitely have that moment at the end. Yeah. And I like what I like about that so much. And the reason I'm so convinced that my yeah. take is like the right one. It's the right take. Is Whiplash because okay. that's what Whiplash is mm. also about. He yeah. also has to give up happiness and having a normal, stable life. Right. For his dream his of dream. drumming. And yeah. uh, a lot of people read Whiplash as like it's definitely like a sort of – it's like homo. So it's about yeah. like how he's in love with his drum right, professor. Right. And, and I, I mean that element is there. It is definitely like kind of right. you know, like homoerotic in some sure. sort of ways or suggestive. Ways. That, that context is there. But that's not – the I, my primary reading on it is, yeah, that like at the end he realizes like, oh, J.K. Simmons was right. Like, right. In order for me to be as great at drumming as I want to be, I have to give up everything else that would potentially make me happy. And I think yeah. that's sort of what La La Land is getting at, too, that, like, they couldn't have ever been totally happy together because they would always have this, like, well, I didn't – I gave up my dream for this. I, yeah, that smile broke me. The smile <laughs> he gives her. Right. Because uh, I did is, not read it as, like, yeah, everything worked no. out. I Yeah. Uh, I read it as he smiles at her, knows what they uh, accomplished together as a couple, knows – happy what she – very, he's very happy, uh, and it's not like he's taking credit for helping her through or anything like that. No, he's but happy that she happy. has her success. Yeah. And, and he smiles, she walks away, and, and he kind of – there's a sigh, and he goes back to his life, and that ain't – that's a sad moment. That's a heartbreaking moment. Yeah, I agree. It's dark. I read it. I read it that way too. That it was like, yeah, you know, he he he's not necessarily happier now than he was yeah. when they were together, but he recognizes that it wasn't going to ever be. And yeah, it is what it is. It's yeah, mi- it's a little bit of misery. And so, hey, here's an example. You and I just broke down La La Land impromptu for five minutes. There you go. That's the industry we're in. Mm-hmm. How <laughs> it has a place. Um, um, and and again, we couldn't have imagined five years ago. You were in there ten years ago, getting in. There, but but when you're when you're watching these guys play video games, you're not thinking at any point you're going to be on a sports center of, of no. movie news. I, I I mean I'm I'm notoriously bad at like visualizing what the future is going to be, but no, I didn't. The video game <laughs> he said in his journalism. Yeah, the, the video game videos thing. I did not. I was not like, oh yeah, of course. Oh, everybody's going to want to watch people, other people play video games and like to comment on it. Like I totally was not there. Although I mean, the Uber story is the best one. Where yeah, well I told you about yeah. uh, Jason. And uh, yeah. my old boss, who was one of the early investors in Uber, and showed it to me early on, before it was like Uber. <laughs> and uh, of course, he was like, you know, oh, you want check in? it out. Yeah, no, well, I, with my three dollars, but he was like, oh, check it out, like all the cars, and you're showing it to me. And immediately, first thing, I'm like, well, that's not. I mean, why would I get in some stranger's <laughs> car? Like, what am I, an idiot? They're going to mug me. How are they going to know what I'm about? Like, they're going to want me to let me in my car. Nobody's ever going to do this. <laughs> you're an idiot, sir. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Clearly, 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 don't dog. Terrible about. at prognosticating. <laughs> yeah, but we're here in this industry now. D- 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 so I fell, I fell backwards into it. When, when did, yeah, yeah when, did, uh, when did you move on next to uh, after? Mahalo? So I, I did Mahalo for a long time, and I ended up being on a bunch of the podcasts and video mm-hmm. shows. We were doing a lot of both at once. We were making okay. audio podcasts. We were doing video shows and podcasts. I mean, the video right. shows were basically video podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason did a really popular one called This Week in Startups that kind of was the granddaddy of a lot of the other okay. stuff we did. So I ended up sort of leaving Mahalo but staying with Jason, and we started This Weekend, which was a podcasting company with Kevin Pollack was the other partner. Okay. So he yeah. did Kevin Pollack's chat show, mm-hmm. which I kind of helped out with a little. And then we produced like a whole bunch of other podcasts that yeah. I worked on uh, mm. about any, you you name it. I mean, social media topics. And right. we did one on iPad, which at that time was brand new. But we also did like <laughs> reality TV, like a lot. Like I did a oh. Mad Men show. Yeah. Uh, I was a big fan of Lost podcasts. Remember like, yeah, I, feel like I feel like Lost was the show that really in a lot of ways, at least from my perspective, mm. gave birth to the like after show. Like, we're going to do a podcast where we talk about this week's loss. Yeah. Those were the first ones I was listening to. So inspired by that, I started one about Mad Men. Okay. uh, And we did a few others. And this was, like, you know, about a year before, like, Walking Dead became Talking Dead. Right. And it sort of blew up and became a huge genre. Yeah, I I think for me, Walking Dead was the one that really, really, really 
because Lost was early on. Right. And, and Lost, so, Lost was like, I, I yeah. really feel like that might be the show That's that the gave granddaddy of it, yeah. this movement. Because yeah. that was literally the water cooler Right, and it moments. had so much, it, it, yeah. it's the perfect show for that because it's like there's so much like little juicy details to unpack. Like, what's going on in the hatch? And like, right. what, what's, you know, what, what about this discovery? What about this? Yeah. And it ended up all adding up to not much. But uh, at yeah. the time, it seemed really tantalizing. Yeah, well, and The Walking Dead has that. Game of Thrones has that. A lot of Game shows of have Thrones, that. Game of Thrones for sure is great is, for a recap. Yeah, for and sure, of course, yeah. uh, you know, any success we had with watching Thrones on Screen Junkies Plus was uh, due in large part to you, sir. Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure that's publicly known because right. uh, you're... Uh, it was you're, a great uh, team. I yeah. think it was a, it it was was a very a lot fun of team. solid Thrones knowledge <laughs> going into every week. Like, yeah. What's so impressive with you and your Thrones knowledge is is you've never read the books. No books, no. And you could probably beat book readers in your knowledge. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've been through, I think three times, like I've watched the whole show now yeah, yeah. three full times. And if you do that, that second time through was like, oh, everything gets unlocked. You got, yeah, yeah. I cannot stress enough, if you are a fan of that show, you must watch it a second time yeah. through. It, it demands it. You, it. you really have to. It's, it's um, yeah, absolutely amazing. I will talk to people and I will know in like a minute or two if you've rewatched it or you've just been through once. Right. Because right. I'll mention a name and you'll be like, "Huh?" And I'll be like, "Too late." How do you? And this is a this is behind the scenes, changing the conversation slightly. Mm. But in in your work on Game of Thrones with me mm. uh, and Michelle and Spencer and, and Trisha and the guests, um, it's where I really really learned your the strength of your ability. I already knew going in. I already knew what you were capable of here. Um, but you have the this amazing ability to to watch an hour programming and pull. Themes, questions, concerns, and stuff out of it that I've never seen any other person pull out of. How does your mind work? I'm trying to get into it. I mean, and, and, and to the listeners, especially if you're a listener of Watching Thrones, um, and, and unfortunately I couldn't use every bit of thought starter or conversation starter you had because you, you sometimes had four pages. Yeah, like, hey, would, what about really this? What about this? It. What about yeah. this? And the show was only, you know, <laughs> I, Watching Thrones was the, one of the longest shows on Screen Chuckies Plus because I couldn't shut up in time because I had so much to talk about. Wow. And that's nature show, but you you, you had a lot there. Um, do you do you just rattle this stuff off? How does your mind work? What's the hamster on the wheel doing you know, in there? I think it's just it's just watching a ton of stuff. I mean, my 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 take is always just like watch you know lots of every kind of thing. You know, right, like right. Watch, watch older movies and foreign movies and TV shows and like stuff that even doesn't necessarily immediately appeal to you. Like, those years I spent at the video store, mm. that's really all of it. It's just you would watch eight movies a day, and you would just think about them a lot. And, like, I was also... I'm all, I mean, I'm sort of, I guess, an analytical kind of thinker anyway. Sure, I, that's but part I was of your always, makeup. Yeah. But I was always trying to be, like, a writer, too. So I was always kind yeah. of watching stuff with, like, what do they do that I like that I'm going to steal or re- <laughs> repurpose or, like, that informs what I want to do. Right. Uh, and I guess it's just attacking it that way and, like, mm-hmm. looking at it from, like, the, well, why would it be written this way? I think a lot of people, mm, okay. especially younger people um, that I'll talk with about movies, especially, like, you know, screen junkies, you, you sure. meet a lot of people who are getting into movies, uh, is, like, there's this weird assumption that that things are in a movie just because. Like, it, it mm. things, things happen in a TV show or in a movie just because, like, well, that's what the guy wrote or, like, that's what happened or, like, that's how – like, especially if it's based on a true story. Like, sure. when people watch movies that are based on, like, a biography of a famous person and then thing happens in the movie, they're like, well, that must have been exactly <laughs> how it happened in real life. Fact. And that's why it's in the movie. So you'd be like, well, analyze why that happened in the scene that way. Like, why did mm. the director choose to shoot it that way or, like, why do they leave this character out of that scene and, like – People don't tend to ask themselves those questions because yeah. they're just, like, accepting what the movie is sort of giving them. Okay. But you have to – That the only that's, way to really dig that's into where, it is you have to ask those questions. That, those are – those are the whole – that's the whole thing. That's 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 where you're at. Uh, that's, where, that's where it comes from, and that's the difference between uh, you and a lot of other people. I, I have some people that are great at two. Uh, Jack Conway, who now we've name-dropped three or four times in the show. He's great <laughs> He's at breaking down story. Uh, um, uh, my, friend Jessica, yeah. my friend Jessica and I can watch Game of Thrones, and she'll turn to me and have 14 questions about Jon Snow's behavior sure. that I, I don't have because I'm like, he had a cool sword. Um, so yeah. it is – definitely a, a mind and a makeup but you, yeah you, i see where it's coming you're coming you're going inside as a writer as a director as, and, and asking yeah. those questions well i also think the first time you're ever and this is it's not like mm. i'm like a, some old hat like I, I i haven't worked that much in production but if sure. you ever go on a set the first yeah. time you're on a set mm-hmm. and you actually see how things are made and how 
intensely, insanely difficult it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to like make the composition, just what's in the frame that the camera's going to capture, look exactly right and right. get the details right to make it lit properly. And like, right. you only have to see that once to be like, oh, every movie I've ever seen was made under these yeah. conditions. Like, the, <laughs> yeah. like the way that you're seeing it and what you're seeing was totally dictated by what they could make happen yeah, on the day. You you're know? so right. And so then, yeah, the, then you start thinking about like, well, what else? What, they, what didn't they do? What decisions did they make? And like, right. that's how the whole thing sort that's of comes That's where you start together. breaking it down. Yeah. Oh, you're so good at it. You're so good at it. Oh, I, um, I do what I can. So as as we as we start to wrap up here, though, you and I can't predict the future uh, of this business, but we have found ourselves here. Do you have as uh, you know, you're you're slightly younger than me, but but we're in the same only we're in the same very we're in the same boat on Titanic. We're we got in on the same same raft. Um, uh, Do do you worry or see where this industry is going? That's why sometimes I'm concerned about if it if if the bubble bursts, and I'm not talking like. The dot com burst, but just like people get sick of breaking down movies for ad nauseum. Uh, do you have any plans of action? To, where are you looking? Because I'm Ooh. trying to find. Good man. I don't know if I could be 50. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't mind being 50 talking about Star Wars, but I don't know if I'll be allowed to. I'm 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 not that guy. Like this is mm, really this is one me. of the this is one of the problems I think I've had in like my career. Yeah, yeah. is that I don't I I I. I'm very focused on finding something I like to do. There's yeah. not a lot that I like to do. And I've had a, a hundred <laughs> thousand. We could have done a whole other podcast about all the jobs I've had sure. in the same years we discussed that I didn't like. I'm yeah. just talking about the ones that I liked that led to something else. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that always is my primary focus. And I know, like, I'm getting older and I have mm-hmm. to start thinking about, like, well, I can't be the 70-year-old guy <laughs> who's like, you should, Michael Bay sucks. Like, it's not, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but, no, I don't I don't really but, ever. I, I, but at the same time, we don't know yet. No, and I also. Because this is new territory. I got I to gotta tell you, like, I, I, I think I'm just not an optimistic enough person <laughs> to plan. I don't, I don't really know, like, should we be planning for the Mad Max world or the world that we're oh, in now, yeah. you know? A little, little column A, a little column B? Right, because that's the thing is, like, I think if I was ever going to really worry about the future, I'd be like a doomsday prepper, not yeah. like, a, well, I got to, whatever I'm going to get into a real estate, <laughs> like, I don't, there won't be any. <laughs> I'm heading to a cabin, man. Yeah, just like, um, right, that, that's my, my version of planning is, like, what happened, like, Big Bear's got mm. the lake and that's where everybody skis. What about the other side of Big Bear? <laughs> Who's on there? Could you just disappear? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I, uh, there was, uh, I'm going to go a little tangent that way do you it. can wrap up. Do it, There was like an article, it was like Esquire, Vanity Fair or something, and, and mm-hmm. it was about this guy who lived in this like mountain community, but he lived as a hermit for like 30 years. Right. And he would just like steal from people's backyards and sports stuff, and then one day, he was like 62, and he had like yeah. some infection, he was just like, I can't, and he just showed up, and he was just like, hey, I've been living in the woods. Help me with my health care. <laughs> What's been going and on? And in a weird, weird, dark place in my in my mm-hmm. brain, I'm just like, I get it. I, I get, totally I, get it. I man. get it. I totally get that. I get that guy being like around my age and being <laughs> like, you know what? Fuck all this. Gonna I'm cl- go I'm, in a ditch and yeah. find a tarp to cover me, and I'll bring some comic books, and I'll be fine. I'm telling you, I've had that thought recently, not not too seriously, but uh, and not even and, and people know me as a depressive person. It's not that side of it. It is just there's a little bit of looking around, and, and the world's on fire, and and a lot of people have opinions on what my job is, or what it should be, or who should be on my shows, and who should this and that, and it's all well and good. And I'm here to help, and, 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 and like you said, I'm, I'm here to entertain as best I can and if I don't do it that's I'm out but mm-hmm. there's this in the back of my head there's this like Will Ferrell sketch of me flipping over a table and just going to the yeah. wilds of Montana I, yeah I do and and, and, and just, it's not like the depressed side because I, I struggle with anxiety sure. and depression too sometimes uh, that side of me is just I want to just be in my bedroom just yeah, yeah, like yeah. I don't want to leave the house or whatever it's not like I want to yeah. just get away like, but there is that side of me that where yeah especially lately yeah where I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I can see how this would just be like, it's too much. It's just too it's much. Just too much. It's not too much. Designed, the world keeps spinning and spinning and spinning, yeah. and, and I'm just, just like, like, I don't know what to do. You know, I have I have a friend who's uh, who's pretty uh, pretty big in the voiceover industry, and, and I, uh, he is now spending more time number one out of California or or actually in a cabin about two and a half hours north of here, just taking pictures of the stars. Yeah, and it is it is it is it is that might be my new life goal. <laughs> <laughs> even just like you don't even have to go that. 
that far. It's not like you got to get totally off the grid. Like, I'll yeah. go to Idlewild for two or three sure. days. And you're like, well, this is yeah. delightful. Do I you, never want to go back to Los what, Angeles. What, what does Lon Harris do when he's out there nothing. in the middle of nowhere? Does, you you don't watch movies or anything? You just no, turn off the mind? No, no, no move. That, that's, to me, that's part of the whole point. Yeah. It's like, and yeah. I love movies and TV shows, but I'm just surrounded by it constantly. Sure. So what's nice about, about like, a weekend in Idlewild or yeah. something is... Uh, is that yeah? You're, you're yeah, unplugged. You're, unplugged. you're not watching movies constantly. In yeah, shows. you're just like I don't know, reading or hiking or walking around and yeah. just like shooting the shit with people. Mm. Go like, let's walk to town and get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's like my hometown. When I go up to Pismo or my, my folks in the village of Royal Grande, tiny little village, and looks like Stars Hollow on Gilmore Girls. Oh, Royal Grande. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's my hometown. I'm stomping down. That's so we'll go to the village. But like um, my p- poor folks, I just don't talk much. I just sit there in silence um, because it's just I, I like I'm, I don't hear any sounds anymore. Yeah. I don't hear anyone giving their hot take on, on Game of Thrones. <laughs> right, I don't hear. Relaxing. I don't know what who's raised parents are, and I'm not. I don't have to answer. Yeah. And I just like it, and I love. And to those listening, I love doing that stuff. Sure, and I like it's not. Back to it. It's not. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's balance. You know, it's just like that yeah. stuff was never meant to be all consuming, and and we That's, made it that way because we can. And I and I get it. Such an interesting take, Lon. It's a smart take, which I would expect any any less from a genius like you, according to Jack Conway and, and me. Um, but yeah, this lot of this stuff, even Star Wars, no, yeah, was it, not built to be twenty four hours a day. It was designed to be one movie. Like yeah. he, he thought he had a good idea for a movie, yeah. and then you know a trilogy and a franchise. And I'm not saying like don't love the shows and read the books, yeah, and like yeah. all of it. Like it's great, and I it, love it. I'm gonna I'm wrapped up in. And if it, it's but, your hobby, fantastic. I yeah. spend a lot of time doing really dumb. Th- I watched Rick and Morty like eight <laughs> times, all the episodes. Like I, I'm not judging it. Yeah. But yeah, it is weird that we now have this expectation for entertainment to just sustain. Yeah. Yes, all well, yeah. the time. It's like sometimes, sometimes the answers in Star Wars, when you have big questions, are, "Oh, George didn't know in 1974 that this world would be built around his right. thing that he scratched down on a notepad." Yeah, and, well, and that, and that's where we were talking too about, like, you know, why are things in movies the way they are, right. as opposed to another way, and that that's how to sort of access them and think about them, and like, yeah, yeah we we sort of we sort of purposefully try to undo that. We like delusionally yeah. pretend that that's not happening, and like, yeah. no, how can we we can explain this in canon, and like Rogue One even did, and I liked it, but. Rogue yeah. One even does this a little bit. Like, yeah. Oh, no, that's not like a plot inconsistency. That's like that's Mads a- Mikkelsen did it, you guys. <laughs> and it's like, I don't – it's just – it yeah. is that way because it's that way. And that's an interesting way yep. to think about it. You yep. don't have to explain it all. I'm telling you, cabin. We'll be in that cabin <laughs> in a short while. It's it's really it's really nice. I think it's it's well because I I didn't grow. I grew up in cities. Yeah, yeah. You know, we lived in like a suburb of Philadelphia, but it was still like a city. It wasn't like yeah. the con- living in the country. And then Orange County and Los sure. Angeles ever since. So I've never really had that. It's really nice to go like visit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could I could see uh, I could see you doing well in the wilderness. You got a wilderness man look. Not like it. on my own, <laughs> like with a store nearby. Oh, I'm not a camper either. I'm not like Ryan, no. the camera guy at Screen Junkies, who goes. Oh no, who yeah. Goes, I'm takes making, his fiance not, up. To uh, I don't even know if they're engaged yet. Maybe they are. I can't remember. Ryan, are you? If you're listening, uh, and they go out like they find some trailless wilderness, right? And they He's camp doing for three the, days. Like, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible <laughs> Two, like just yeah, just yeah. climbing <laughs> up a mountain with his two bare yeah. hands. And my idea is going to the grocery store, picking up a sandwich, and parking in Griffith Park, and yeah, not, not mean, getting out of my car. If you've been to Idlewild, like there are roads and electricity. <laughs> there's nice restaurants. Like it's not. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I know. I'm just making it sound like I'm Survivor Man or something. <laughs> Thing. And it's like, no, no, I'm not, like, gutting a fish. Oh, man. I'm well, just, like, in a nice cabin. You you do amazing work, sir, behind the scenes. Right. I'm, I'm glad you get uh, in front of the camera. And you always have been. Your, your George R. R. Martin is very underrated in, oh, that's in, true. in the pop yeah. culture landscape. It's hard to compete. Nick Mundy It's hard also with Mundy. a great George R. He yeah. gives great George R. R. Martin. Yeah. So. Um, and there's a lot more to talk to you about. I'd love to do more with you, and I'd love to have you on Life Ranked. I think we, you and I, did not even get into our, our, our loneliness. We didn't. It's we true. didn't. And we didn't I, I think it. I think two depressive guys like us uh, <laughs> who can give ourselves some kudos and some cl- hand uh, hand claps because we didn't go that route. It's true. We could have. This could have been easily... forty five minutes about how horrible we think we are to ourselves. We stayed. <laughs> maybe that's just. We, we stayed pretty professional. We stayed pretty good. We maybe got a great discussion it, yeah. on the digital media world. Uh, Long. Where can they follow you in all your adventures? Uh, well, go to Twitter at L O N S. That's where that Twitter is my primary sharing platform. 
platform Which online. is amazing. And I know Andy Signore has always been jealous of your handle. You got there early. Yeah, yeah. You got there. It was, again, yeah. I was working at Mahalo for yeah. that guy Jason. And he, he he's very good at being, like, up on what all the stuff yeah. was. He had gone to South by Southwest, I want to say, that year. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it was 2007 was the year at South by yeah. where Twitter, like, seems made right. a yeah. huge splash. And everybody was into it and sort of started using it. Yeah. And he came back and was just like, everybody sign up for this thing. Trust me. You're going to want to get in on it. Right. And then, yeah, everybody was getting like three, four letters. Yeah. There were just weren't that many people. Yeah. So follow at Lawns. There's so much that you do. Um, uh, any, any big things you want to talk about? Promote? Uh, well, the, I'm on uh, I'm on movie fights this week, so you could look out for that. I'm trying to get uh, some other podcasts of my own going, but it's too early to promote yet, so I can't. Too early to promote, and you're too busy providing research for other podcasts. Try, right. I work on 18 other people's 18 podcasts. 18 other people's stuff. Well, hopefully your your time will shine. It was a great discussion on digital media, how to get there, and spending times in the wilderness, and your ability to kind of translate James Gandolfini. That's that's some skills, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Uh, I hope you come back, and uh, you can stick around. Uh, we're going to have a life Ranked that you and the Knapsack Files podcast people hear in a little bit as well. We're going to release that. It's going to be a fun one. So uh, that is that for me. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack. Don't forget to uh, like the Knapsack Files Facebook page. Uh, you can like my official Facebook page as well. Subscribe and rate and review if you're in iTunes. Do me that favor. Rate and review on your iTunes. That definitely helps the podcast. Don't forget we have the Patreon page if you want to support the feed as we grow in 2017. There's a lot of things you can uh, enjoy if you sign up for that. I appreciate that if that's something you want to do. Uh, um, so until next time, for Lon Harris, for Ken Napsack, we will see you in that cabin in the woods. <laughs>